We have our luggage. It's hot. I remember I was sweating. And you open the door, and I'm, I'm behind you. You're going in the door first, and right. and I try to get in the door and like almost fall over you because you had stopped. So I opened the door. One second later, I could see motion out of the corner of my eye, and I looked to the left. I fell backwards into Matt, slammed the door. And I, what did I yell? Like run, you said run. <laughs> and I didn't even know why we were running. Cause I didn't see any of this. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories of adventures and misadventures in the U.S. national parks and public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. In this episode, we're going on a tour of 10 of our favorite national park lodges. It was really tough for Matt and I to narrow the list down to 10, so we ended up choosing some of the lodges we loved the most. We don't rank them in any particular order. Instead, we're sharing some of our stories from these lodges and a few tips if you decide to visit. Because we had so much to say about each of these amazing lodges, we're skipping our warm-up segment this episode and going straight to the main topic. At the end of the show, we'll have our mailbag segment where we answer a question that we frequently get about what cameras we use when we travel. This is going to be a good episode. I'm excited about this one. Good. <laughs> I've been can, waiting for this one. I, I can tell. You're, you, you look excited. I know. I'm beaming. Today, we're going to talk about some of our favorite National Park Lodges. Yes, we are. And there's a lot of lodges, and we have more than 10 favorites. But for sake of time, today, we're going to talk about our top 10 list. And... They all happen to be historic lodges built in the early decades of the 20th century. And most of them are examples of a style called National Park Service Rustic. I just love that. I just like saying that. That's a good name. It is a good name. And the other name that I've heard them called or referred to is Parkitecture. Have you heard that before? No. We're going to have to fact check that. <laughs> I think you're making stuff up. It's on Wikipedia. I think you're Look getting, it up. Like, comfortable doing the podcast and now you're just like making stuff up. <laughs> architecture it's a thing. We'll fact check uh -huh. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of these lodges are tough to get reservations. Really so we'll try, try to talk a little bit if there's any tricks or tips on these, but uh, they often they sell out like a year in advance or it's in some cases more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We usually don't do our planning that far ahead. So for us, almost all of the instances where we stayed in these lodges have been because we caught last minute cancellations. And uh, a lot of times you can just call. We, we've we called for, you know, every hour on the hour, you know, days ahead to try to catch a cancellation. And a, a lot of times it's worked. Well, one of our favorite lodges of all is in Yellowstone National Park, the Old Faithful Inn. Yeah, we're going to start with that one because appropriately enough, it is the very first of the great park lodges in the West. It's located right next to the Old Faithful Geyser. Mm -hmm. They even have a porch in front of the lodge that you could sit and watch the geyser go off. Right. So it is a busy, busy place. Yeah, especially during the day. Right. And there are a few other lodges over there as well. So there are, it seems like there are always just a ton of people. And that lodge, the Old Faithful Inn was built about 1903, mm -hmm. 1904. Mm -hmm. And I have read that it is the largest log structure in the world. I've read that also. One of my favorite things to do when we go in that lodge is you go in the front and you can look straight up, what? Four stories, almost five stories. Yeah, yeah. And you see all the log uh, infrastructure that, that makes up the, the logs. And there's this huge fireplace that's right there. You can walk up two stories, but then the, the highest two stories are now closed due to structural issues. They're, you know, afraid that anybody up there might go crashing to the ground. And I think the crow's, the nest, crow's is, nest, they used to let people up there. How cool would that have been? Yeah. Every time we're there, I, I feel like just hopping the game. <laughs> I know. And going up to the crow's nest. <laughs> but we would never but, do that. <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that. That would be a bad idea. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So uh, Old Faithful Inn is open from approximately mid-May to mid-October. I don't think they have the uh, infrastructure to provide any heat in that uh, particular lodge. 
And one thing that I love about it also is they have kept a lot of the original furnishings, a lot of the tables and chairs. And when you first walk up to it, there is a massive red front door. And that is also original to the to the inn. I think they built this in segments. The initial phase, that's called the old house. And then the east wing was built about 10 years later. Yep. And then the west wing about a decade later. So yeah, a lot of original furnishings. We had We've stayed there several times and stayed in different uh, wings of the inn. And this last time, we we were fortunate. And this was a cancellation that we got at the last minute. We got in the old wing. Right. The old house. We did get in the old house. And they said that, you know, the the particular room that that was left for us to get did not have a bathroom in the room. I believe most of those rooms do not. And so you're using the public bathroom down the hall. Yeah. Which we're on perfectly fine. Oh, with we were now. just thrilled to get a room. Yeah. We didn't care at that. You point. were thrilled with <laughs> using the public restroom. So I think sometimes you use public restrooms, even when we have our own private bath, which is weird. Uh, well, okay. Uh, about that. This, when we checked in this last time, we dragged our luggage to our room and it took us, well, it literally took us forever to find the light switch in the room. We go in and it's it's dark. It did have a, a little bit, a few windows, but it was kind of dark in there. And we, for the life of us, and we thought we were losing our minds. Yeah, we yeah. We could not figure out how to turn the lights on. We couldn't. And we felt along, the walls are made of logs. And so we're feeling literally feeling along all the walls for the light switch, couldn't find it. And so sometimes, you know, they have uh, hotel rooms have bedside table lamps. And so we're feeling on the tables next to the beds. There are no lights there. And we spent like 20 minutes and we could not find how to turn the lights on. Yeah, well, I, I refuse. I was stubborn enough to refuse to go back to the front desk and ask instructions because, like, this is oh, I know th- this is a sign. Uh, it's that, a that bad sign. <laughs> you should not be you should not be wandering out of your house, sir. I know if you can't find the light switch. Exactly. But, but eventually, we had no choice. We were like, we got to go. Yeah. So, so eventually, we we schlepped ourselves back to the front desk and and got back in line to talk to to the reservation gal to ask her how the heck do you turn the light switch well, on? I did. I think you were like hiding <laughs> somewhere. I, I may have been looking at the postcards on the stand because I was... didn't want to be associated with this right, foolishness. Right, I wanted you to, to do it because I was so embarrassed yeah, that we couldn't I, I find thought it. the woman would, would just roll her eyes or send maintenance or something, but she, she just clicked on her computer and she put us in another room. So we got our stuff, we dragged our, our luggage to this other room, and then that was a whole nother experience because we go into this room and it was well two of the four walls were solid windows and it turns out that this room was right like next to the sidewalk in front of the lodge i mean we were right in the middle of all the activity we were like the park greeters yeah, you know there was, we- there was a tour bus i kid you not the tour bus was 30 feet from the edge of our bed. Oh, yeah. And people are getting off the bus with their name tags. And we are literally right there. So we're, hey, Jim. Hey, Betty. Yeah, we, How's we your heard, tour going? We overheard too many conversations. <laughs> some some I'd like to unhear. Yeah. Uh, but I like that room. It, it was kind of fun. I mean, talk about being in the middle of the action. And that off the side window, we could see there was an outdoor patio with tables and chairs. And, and those were full of people sitting there, you know, having a drink. And so we were right in it. Although we did find out after sunset and we went, we got in bed. And for some reason, like the, there are curtains, but they're like sheer. And mm-hmm. somehow maybe I needed to go to the get the truck to get something else. And I came walking past the room and I realized like, you can just see right into that room. Like we had to. Oh, when it's dark outside when it's dark, and the lights yeah, are on? We had to turn, turn off the lights, get in our pajamas. <laughs> and then we're laying there in the dark and we thought, well, it's, you know, we want to read in bed or something. So we just, we turned the lights back on and laid there in our pajamas reading and people walked right by us. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, the park was less crowded at that point because most of the tourists had gone home. But sure, I mean, we, we made some new friends on that particular trip. That's a great lodge because it's right there by the geyser. It's right there by the boardwalks that go past the other geysers. Bison often roam through there. So that's mm-hmm. one of one of our favorites. I, yeah. I, I hate to always say one thing is our absolute favorite, but certainly 
at the top of the list, Old Faithful Inn. Definitely. And if you go to see Old Faithful Geyser and you don't have reservations there, at least stop in and take a look at it because it is phenomenal. The next one is in Glacier National Park. And there's several lodges there also, but the Mm -hmm. one we want to talk about is Many Glacier. Many Glacier Hotel. Yes. One of my absolute favorites, but I'm going to say that for every single one. Uh, So this hotel is located, you access it from the east side of the park. Um, It's in the Many Glacier area, and it is open from June through September. And it's built in like this alpine theme. You kind of feel like you're in Switzerland. You do. It has this chalet. It's really charming. And they even have in the bar restaurant area, they even sell fondue. They, so they you can really fondue, have the Swiss so you experience. you can really feel like you're in a different country if you want to, <laughs> even though you're in the uh, the great U.S. of A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that this one was also built early 20th century, 1914, 1915. And the Great Northern Railway back then was putting in these rail lines, one of which went right by Glacier National Park and and kind of went along the southern border. And so they were involved in building a lot of these lodges because it it attracted customers. Mm -hmm. And so they would have passengers that would take their the train out there and... Right, and they wanted to have a place to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that they built it in a Swiss theme is because when you are standing on that back deck of the hotel, it is truly like you're in Switzerland. The mountains and you're you're right on Swift Current Lake and the scenery is absolutely stunning. And I have to say too that... We've stayed there, I don't know, what, about maybe four times, Matt? Right. And every single time when we're standing on that back porch, we have seen more wildlife from that porch than we have on any hike we've ever done in Glacier National Park. Right. And oftentimes, they're brown bears, so the grizzlies. Mm -hmm. Uh, This last time we were there, we were looking at the hillside kind of to the north, I guess, and it was fun to see this grizzly bear walking across the hillside and you can kind of, well, you're far enough away. You can kind of watch him walk for a long time. And that was exciting until we realized that where that bear was walking was exactly where our trail was the next day. I know it was a little nerve wracking to think that uh, the bears really like to hang out in that area for some reason. We're not sure why. So in Dear Bob and Sue season two, we we wrote about one of the times we stayed there and it was in 2017. We originally had reservations to stay at the Sperry Chalet, which is a backcountry chalet and glacier. And we got a notice about what a week before the trip that they had closed the chalet because there was an active forest fire burning in the area. So we had to scramble around and try to get some alternate reservations for that trip. Yeah. And we got, fortunately, we got uh, a room there at Mini Glacier. Uh, unfortunately, that same fire burnt the Sperry Chalet down. I know. It was uh, tragic. Yeah. The good news about that, just side note, is that they have rebuilt the Sperry Chalet and it is, it's going to be open uh, summer of uh, 2020. Yeah. For really people. record time. The, the, mm-hmm. the public really responded with a lot of donations and they got that rebuilt. So that's something we're looking forward to the hiking to someday to see the new Sperry Chalet. Yep. The next lodge is further south in Zion National Park, the Zion Lodge. And it was built in 1925. Mm-hmm. And about two years later, they built the these really charming rustic cabins that are called the Western Cabins. And so Matt and I have stayed there a few times, but we've actually never stayed inside the lodge. We've always stayed in the cabins, and I love those cabins. What do you like about the cabins, Karen? <laughs> because they have, well, first of all, on the outside, you know, they're stone and um just really charming, but on the inside, they have fireplaces. And so it's just really romantic. And Matt and I stayed there on our anniversary a few years ago. Yeah, it's it's very romantic. Mm-hmm. You like turning on the fireplace. Now it's a gas fireplace. It's not log. Right, right. And which is great. I love a fire too. But in your zest to have the romantic <laughs> mood in the cabin, that that thing warms up real quick. Yeah. So I have to I I draw the line at like ninety eight degrees when the when the inside of the cabin is like all right we we got to turn that off. 
Yeah, you have to have your romantic encounter pretty quickly because the room gets like it does get super hot with that fireplace. Going. We're not, we're not going to do an episode of Dear Robert and Suzanne. No, let's, we're let's not. Just say you got to no, gotta we're move not. quickly if you're going to use the fireplace mm-hmm. in one of those cabins. So Zion Lodge and the cabins are open all year, and one of one of the I think real advantages to staying there is that Zion Valley itself is close to traffic, and um, to enter you take shuttle bus. Right. So if you have a reservation at the lodge, you can drive your car into the valley and park there. Um, So it's kind of an advantage. You don't have to shuttle your way in in and out of the park every day. Yeah. And a couple of things I really like about this particular lodge is one, they have this big grassy area in front of uh, the part of the lodge where you check in and right in the middle of the grassy area is this huge deciduous tree. It's beautiful in the summertime. People are out there with blankets, uh, just enjoying the scenery. The lodge is kind of tucked into the the cliffside, so there's beautiful colors from the the red rocks of, of the canyon, and it's just a real cozy feeling. And it's also a, a good place that oftentimes when we hike, we just hike right from the lodge. It's might maybe an extra mile to get to some of the trailheads, but uh, oh, it's, right. we just park the truck and then we don't. Exactly. have to drive the rest of the day. Right. Because the shuttles run, I don't know if I mentioned this, the shuttles run from March to November. So you're either taking a shuttle or if if it's during one of the months you can drive in, the parking is extremely limited because the parking areas are so small. So when we stay at the lodge, as Matt said, we can just walk to the, all the trailheads. So that's another really big advantage. Yeah. And th- this is, I know we, we repeat this tip over and over again, but I think we've gotten those reservations also every time at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I don't think they, it's not that crowded in the winter. Not, we, not in the winter. We were just there in January and uh, the reservation, the cabins were wide open. And the park's beautiful even in the winter months. Because mm-hmm. even if it's cold, I think this last time we were there, I went to the truck and it was 17 degrees. And an hour later we were hiking and we weren't that cold it, it no. felt like a spring day so it warms up pretty quick yep it does so close by zion national park is bryce canyon national park right and they have a great lodge also built what at the same time bryce canyon lodge yeah i i want to call them sister lodges that's probably not a to- correct Go right ahead. But they were built. (laughs) They were built by the same company at approximately the same time. So um, they look similar, and they do look similar, and they have a similar feel. Now, just one note of caution: that the Bryce Canyon Lodge is located at an elevation of eight thousand feet. So, if you know, if anyone has any altitude sickness issues, I never keep track of that. But there, there have been times when. The altitude has affected me and Mm -hmm. you're, or you're like walking around, you're wondering why you're out of breath. And I think I'm having a heart attack. And then I realize we're at 8,000 feet. So something to keep in mind. Yes. Yes. And just like Zion, uh, Bryce has a mix of, they have regular lodge rooms and then they also have those really charming cabins again. So we've stayed, we were lucky enough to stay in a cabin and the, one of the great things about this lodge is the location. It sits just back from the rim of the Bryce Canyon Amphitheater. So the access down into the into Bryce Canyon is amazing. Yeah, and one of the reasons that is so important is sunrise and sunset at the rim of the canyon and looking into the amphitheater. And that that's really the, the most spectacular view in the park. Those sunrise, sunset are great times mm-hmm. to be there. And so if you have a room there at the lodge, you're a three minute walk right. to the eggs as opposed to, it's not that far of a drive from l- that little Bryce city, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it is super convenient. And like most parks, you know, the crowds leave around five o'clock and, and so you have the place to yourself. But one of the things I really love about this lodge, and I, I have a million pictures of this. So I, I'm, by the way, we do post our pictures on our uh, dearbobandsue.com website. So right. this one I'll put up. But the, they have this auditorium where they have their programs. The and ranger programs. The yeah. ranger programs. And this auditorium has these um, exposed log trusses. And it is to sit in that auditorium. It's just 
absolutely stunning. Almost all, if not all, of these park lodges offer ranger programs in the evenings for the guests who are staying there. Well, and actually anybody who wanders in. So usually there's a big sign in the lobby. So definitely check that out because we've been to a lot of these ranger programs and they're actually really fascinating. Yeah, they are. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the Northwest and talk about a lodge at Mount Rainier National Park, Paradise Inn. Mm. Again, one of our favorite. They're all our favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's at, it's not quite as high as Bryce Lodge, but it's at 5,400 feet elevation. From about mid-May to to late September because they get a terrific amount of snow up there. And we've been up there snowshoeing in the wintertime. And the, this lodge is literally buried in snow. Yeah, I, I thought people were exaggerating because we'd heard that for years. And then recently we went up there snowshoeing and we saw it. There was a, there was mm-hmm. a hump <laughs> where this massive lodge was with the little dorm windows peeking out. Uh, yeah, so it gets completely buried in snow. Right, right. It was built, so it was built in 1916. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they started out with just 37 guest rooms, but then in 1920, they added another wing that's called the Annex. Yeah, and the Annex has private bathrooms in the uh, in the rooms themselves. Mm-hmm. The original part, those rooms don't have bathrooms. Right. They don't. None of them. Yeah. So we were there last summer and the only room we could get at the last minute was a room with no bathroom. Also, I might add that these original rooms are teeny tiny. They're not very big. (laughs) Well, they're not. They're yes, they're small, Mm. but they're narrow. Like the. Yeah, that's what it is. They have these little twin size beds, which the width of the room is about it's literally about one foot wider than the width or, or length of a twin size bed. So the, this room we had is two twin beds in there. It looked like Laura and Robert Petrie's bedroom, you know? So <laughs> we were, you know, sleeping uh, in, in twin beds next to each other. And I had to scooch past the twin bed to just get to the front door. Yeah. And there's almost no place to put your luggage, but you know what? It's really charming and it's totally worth it. When I booked it online, I was afraid to tell Matt that there wasn't a bathroom because I just wasn't sure how he was going to take it. You were it. afraid? You were yeah. afraid to tell me? Were you going to just surprise me? I was afraid you wouldn't want to go. And just like point to the sink <laughs> in the room and say, well, that's there. There you go. That's, in the middle of the night, there's yeah. your... <laughs> well, it's nice to have the sink in there to, to mm-hmm. brush your teeth, but I don't care anymore. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll just go outside and walk the halls in my pajamas in the middle of the night. That's fine. Well, that's what everybody does. What's, but what's kind of funny about that is that the communal bathrooms that all the guests use who don't have private bathrooms, they're also the public bathrooms for people visiting the lodge. So like I've seen, you know, guys walking down in their pajama bottoms and no shirt, and they're going into the bathroom along with like tourists who've stopped by to have lunch or whatever, you know, so it's... Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I wear a shirt. You do wear a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm past the point. Mm -hmm. Definitely wearing a shirt. Yeah. Anyway, the um, Paradise Inn just recently underwent a huge renovation. I think they spent like $24 million because they had to update literally everything. But they still did not add bathrooms to those original lodge rooms. Yeah. We love love Mm -hmm. Paradise Inn. Oh, can I say one more thing? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. You've missed your you've missed your chance. We're moving on. When you sit in the lobby, there's this really ornate old piano that they have a piano player in the evenings. I don't know if they pay this person I, or no, not. I, I think it's just a yeah. guest. But uh, this piano was built during the winter of 1919 by a German carpenter who stayed in the inn, and he also built this really ornate grandfather clock that's still there, and a whole bunch of cedar tables and chairs. So those are all original to the inn and really cool to see. Also in the Pacific Northwest on the Olympic Peninsula inside Olympic National Park is Lake Crescent Lodge. Now, Olympic National Park also has several other lodges that are great, but we'll talk about Lake Crescent Lodge, which is on the just right next to Lake Crescent. Mm -hmm. And it is what? It's about half an hour 
west of Port Angeles at the top of the peninsula. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's is on that the, correct? That is correct. I'm looking it's, at you because I'm making this up as I go. It's on the very north side of Olympic National Park. And uh, when it was built, let me see, it was built back in 1913. And it was originally called Singer's Lake Crescent Tavern. So they started with a small hotel and cabins, and then they added the tavern in 1914. I guess in 1937, as the story goes... Franklin Delano Roosevelt was mm-hmm. there at Lake Crescent Logs and he was in the tavern drinking a beer. And <laughs> Well, I'm not sure if he was <laughs> drinking a beer. I'm guessing he was drinking a beer. He's in a tavern, but okay, continue. Okay, so the, that, that I, part I of the story. I can't verify I'm, the fact I'm that he was drinking a beer. Okay, so okay. He, he, I don't know what he was drinking <laughs> at the time or if he was drinking, but uh, I guess he was so impressed with the park and that particular Logs that he, he then declared that area. Olympic National Park. Right. Well, did I, he did I get that right? Yes, he was in the tavern specifically to discuss making this area a national park. He was there with the Park Service and the Forest Service and some Washington senators as well. So after he toured the park and saw, wow, this is an amazing place, he authorized the creation of Olympic National Park in 1938. That's the story. And I'm just going to believe that he somewhere in there he had a beer. Mm, I like to think that. Whether or not that influenced his decision, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yet another reason to drink beer. Right. Responsibly. Yes. And the so this lodge isn't, the whole place isn't open all year round. It's from end of April to November. Right. So the, like all the facilities are open. And then mm-hmm. just the Roosevelt fireplace cabins are also open in the winter. Right. The, uh, weekends in the winter. Weekends in the winter. Right. There's all kinds of lodging available at Lake Crescent Lodge. There are, Tell us about the different lodging You options. know, without going into a whole bunch of detail, there are basic motel rooms and there are a few original rooms in that original lodge. There are the Roosevelt cabins that you mentioned, and we've always stayed in those charming singer tavern cottages. I love those, I love those cottages. I do too. I do too. <laughs> you know what I like? the most about those cottages is they have a view of the lake. Did we even mention beautiful Lake Crescent that sits right I on? I said, okay, I sorry. said the lodge is right okay. on the lake it's and it's stunning. a beautiful lake. It's, oh my gosh. It's, yeah. It's a very deep mountain mm-hmm. lake. Yeah. Over 600 feet deep. Surrounded by mountains. And we talk about this story in the original Dear Bob and Sue, how we had reserved a cabin there as one of those singer cabins and as we're walking from the parking lot to the main building where you check in, I was looking at them and I noticed that they all had, they, they're all facing the lake and have these rocking chairs on the front porch and how beautiful it was, except for one cabin, just oddly situated cabin that, that doesn't face the lake, kind of faces off to the side. I think you probably could see the lake if you tried hard enough. And I thought, God, I, that that would be really disappointing if, if you came all the way here and rented one of these cottages and you got that one. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Which is the one we got. And uh, I tried not to. I was trying to be a good sport about it. I just went to the, back to the front desk to ask if there's mm-hmm. any possibility that we could move to one of the cottages that faced the lake. And so... The manager and I had a discussion about that. Quite a long discussion, as I recall. Well, I was I was going mm-hmm. to be reasonable until he tried to explain to me that I was actually lucky Ugh. to get get the one that doesn't face the lake, and that's that's when uh, that that set me off because <laughs> I, I said, okay, so what you're telling me is people come here and they they see the cottages and they say, I want to rent one of those, but I want the one. Not the ones that look at the beautiful mountain lake. I want the only one that doesn't face. So that's what that's what I have to believe, right? <laughs> that you pulled me aside. I know. When I heard him tell up. you that that particular cabin was the most requested cabin mm-hmm. at the lodge, I thought, uh-oh, yep. you did not just say that to Matt. Because I knew you were going to call bullshit on that. I it knew it. It is a beautiful lodge. And even though cabin that or the cottage that doesn't face the lake is is fantastic so 
We're not really complaining. That was just kind of a humorous story. Anyway, there were no more cabins available. They were all sold out. So we we went back to our cabin that d- didn't face the lake and it was fine. You know, we we were out in the park most of the time anyway. So it was we still had a wonderful time, even though we got, as Matt called it, the dud cabin. So in Oregon, Crater Lake National Park which, if you haven't been, is a spectacular national park. The, the lake is in, incredible to see. And Crater Lake Lodge is right on the rim that overlooks the lake. It's a beautiful setting. Oh, my gosh. You know, the lake, Crater Lake, is this incredible shade of blue that I've never seen any place else. It looks fake. It's so pretty. And, and the lodge is situated to take in the views of the lake, and there are rocking chairs on the back porch that you can sit in. Oh my gosh, it has to be one of the most stunning settings I've ever seen. So the lodge opened in 1915, although they started building it in 1909 because it's at elevation and the winters are so harsh that they only could build for like three or four months each year. So 1909 mm-hmm. to 1915 finally opened it. And it's just a beautiful site. Like, like Karen said, Crater Lake had become a national park in 1902, but the lodge itself was privately owned until the 60s. Right. Until 1967, uh, the National Park Service finally bought it. And, you know, at that point, it had been sitting on the rim for over 50 years. And, you know, in the winter, they get up to 15 feet of snow and it's a really harsh climate. So this inn had deteriorated to the point where it was literally falling down. Yeah, I think they... they contemplated just demolishing, just taking it down, just demolishing it. And then I think with the help of some locals and some interest in people who had had fond memories of the logs, they decided that they were going to fix it up instead of destroy it, which which is fantastic because it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a great historical place. And it shows you what public outcry can do. That is a very beloved inn. So they started a huge rehabilitation project in 1991, um, and they spent $15 million to basically stabilize and redo everything, every single piece of it. They took it apart and rebuilt it. Um, and then in May 1995, it reopened to the public. Yeah, we stayed there again on our original journey to all the national parks that we wrote about in Dear Bob and Sue. We stayed there, and it, I'm going to sound like the complainer of the two of us because <laughs> well, well I, if the shoe I, fits, I, I booked a room <laughs> that had a lake view, and again we uh-huh. go to our we check in, we go to the room, and. I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing a parking lot out the window. Well, that's right, because the window faced the side, not the back where the views were. Yeah. So you pointed out that if I opened the window and stuck my head out, I could turned it to the side, see Mm -hmm. the lake, which is kind of hard to do when Mm -hmm. you're trying to enjoy the lake view. So Mm -hmm. anyway, to make a long story short, we we went back to the front desk and asked if we could change. They said, no, we there's there are no other rooms with lake view. But tomorrow there is an opening. So mm-hmm. we were staying there for two nights. We said, okay, well, we'll just check out tomorrow and then recheck into the other room. Mm-hmm. No and big deal. Right. I will point out in your defense, because I remember when you booked it and you asked me, you said, should we pay more money to get a Lakeview room? And I said, yes, I think it would be worth it. So, you know, that's, I think what was not upsetting you, but I think you know, that's kind of the point is we paid a lot yeah, more for a lake view room and we were, have a room, a we were, view. right. We were looking at the parking lot. So anyway, we are complainers. Yeah. <laughs> so the next day we check out and put all our luggage in, in our, in our truck and went for a hike. And we went for that hike that you can go from the lodge that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's a beautiful hike and it was also summertime. So it was pretty warm. And as it turned out, when we came back, it was still too early to recheck in. So we go to the great room and they were serving hors d'oeuvres and drinks there. So we had a beer and I think we had not drank enough water from the hike because we were, again, we were in a up at elevation and sweating a lot. So we ended up somehow ordering too many beers of Mm -hmm. which we then drank them all. Mm -hmm. And then now it was time to check in. So Given that we were dehydrated, we had a couple of beers that we didn't, we weren't planning on drinking. Uh, so we were in a good mood mm-hmm. when we went to recheck in. And the woman, she gives us the keys to our room. And I look at the key. I think there was two of them. 
mine said 508 and we both had our luggage and and I gave you your key and you said I'm going to take the elevator and I said well I'm just going to walk up the stairs I'll meet you on the fifth floor all right so I go up the elevator and I noticed when I got in that there were only buttons up to the fourth floor so I you know hit the fourth floor button and you know a lot of times in these old hotels that's that's typical uh, sometimes you have to take an elevator, then go to another elevator or take the stairs or whatever. So I got off at the fourth floor. And at that point, Matt was coming up the stairs to the fourth floor. So we walked around looking for access to the fifth floor and we could not find a stairwell and we could not find another elevator. So we were very confused. So we went back to the elevator, took it down to try to figure out how do we get to the fifth floor? Yeah. So we, then we get to the front desk and there's all sorts of other people checking in and so we found a, a bellboy and we, I showed him the key. I said, can you tell us where, to, how do we get to the fifth floor? He goes, there's no fifth floor. <laughs> the hotel doesn't have a fifth floor. <laughs> and um, he flips the key over and he goes, no, you're in room 314. 508 is like the P.O. box of where you, you know, if you put the key in the mailbox because you, you accidentally took it home with you. So that made a lot more sense. So we go to mm-hmm. 314. We have our luggage. It's hot. I remember I was sweating. And you open the door and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm behind you. You're going in the door first. And, right. and I try to get in the door and like almost fall over you because you had stopped. So I opened the door and I just remember the first thing that went through my mind was right in front of me was a window with a beautiful view of the lake. Yeah, great, I thought there is our That's lake view. Thank you. Lake God. you were looking for. But then like one second later, I could see motion out of the corner of my eye and I looked to the left and there on the bed were two naked people who had sort of at this point... Which I did not pay extra for. No. And at this point, they had sort of sat up and clutched the sheets and looked at me with horror in their eyes. So I fell backwards into Matt, slammed the door. And I, what did I yell? Like run, you said run. <laughs> and I didn't even know why we were running. Cause I didn't see any of this nakedness because I was afraid they were going to come after us naked. Of course, you're going to run after us naked. So that was an irrational thought, but we I know, had but had they, a few beers we had, and you didn't see the look on their face. No, I did. I didn't. Well, I know. I didn't see anything. So we <laughs> we ran to the elevator and you know we're punching the button and punching the, the down button. I think I went down the stairs. <laughs> so I go to the I go back to the front desk and I give him the keys and I said, you know, there are people I didn't Naked explain people. well, I didn't I don't think I told him that. Um that seemed like confidential information at that time. But I said, There are people in our room and I and the woman looks at the keys and she says, This isn't your room. Why do you have those keys? Like and I'm thinking Maybe it is me at this point. <laughs> like I didn't go back to the back behind the desk and just like choose any keys. They they had given me these keys. Mm-hmm. So just, your room is two twelve, and yeah. Gives us new, at that point, I was a little gun shy. Yeah, tired so, of going up and down the stairs right. too. And let's recap. So now we have standing there. We so we have the bellboy who thinks we're complete idiots because. There is no fifth floor. He had, he had valid reason. Right. We we have the naked couple in room 314 who are sure are furious with us because we walked in on them. And we have the desk clerk who is accusing us of taking keys of, to of the wrong room. Keys. Yeah. I know. So it's going all really well we w- so far. All stuff we're capable of doing, but we didn't. <laughs> so that to make a long story short... It had an incredible view. Mm-hmm. And room rem- 212. Yeah, we- and, mm-hmm. I, and I remember the next morning we were laying in bed just looking out the window, and it was, it was incredible. So right. Crater I, Lake Lodge. I was worried that we would run into the naked couple somewhere in the lobby or or in the restaurant. We had dinner in the restaurant that night, and I was looking around, and I'm pretty sure I did see them. But because everyone had clothes on, I, I couldn't tell 100% sure it was them, but I'm pretty sure it was. We are going to have to write Dear Robert and Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> we we have a lot of good material. That's that's the next book we're writing. <laughs> All right, enough of Crater Lake Lodge. Let's go to the Grand Canyon. I I would love to go to the Grand Canyon. And again, this park has lots of lodges, mm-hmm. but we're going to talk about El Tovar that's on the South Rim. Mm-hmm. It opened 
in 1905. Uh, and actually, that was 14 years before the area was even made Grand Canyon National Park. Right, right. So this is one of the particular lodges that kind of inspired us to, you know, sort of redo our house in the National Park Service rustic theme. Because when you go in, you know, it's made with local limestone and Oregon pine. And they have animal heads on the walls and a, a big stone fireplace and this rustic mission style furniture. It's just absolutely beautiful. And the front deck is pretty cool. There's rock, rocking chairs that people sit on and when the weather's nice and I, mm -hmm. we kind of modeled our back deck after the front porch of the Altovar. And it's a beautiful area. So on one of our visits, uh, we tried to check in early and the woman with a few strokes of her keyboard said that she only had one room that was available at that time. And she was pretty sure we wouldn't want it because it was directly across from the bar and right next door to the gift shop. It was, it was literally like three steps from the main lobby, which is another, which is five steps from the entrance of the bar. And I thought like, this is, oh we, my gosh, we won the lottery. Have you met us? Yeah. Uh, the bar is, and the gift shop? We want shop? to live here. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's we'll, the most perfect we'll location it. of all. She thought we were crazy. I know. We loved it. It's probably the best room we've ever had. I like being where the action is. I know. I know. So yeah, it was great. But um, we always associate this particular hotel with another amazing lodging um, in the canyon because we tend to stay in both at the same time. Right. We'll so, explain that. Yeah, Phantom Ranch. So we mm -hmm. a couple of times we've been at the bottom of the canyon and at, there's Phantom Ranch, which isn't a lodge, but it is a series of small cabins with a main building that has a cantina and there's a couple of larger cabins that are that uh, serve as dormitories. Mm -hmm. So there's a male and a one male, one female. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's 10 miles down on the, if you take the Bright Angel Trail, it's 10 miles down to, to Phantom Ranch. You can only access it by foot or by mule. And they literally, all of the supplies, so in the canteen, you know, they serve breakfast and dinner and they have, you know, they sell beers and some little gift shop things. So every single thing has to come down by mule. By mule. And all the trash has to go out by mule and all that. So it's it's a pretty amazing place. So about a year ago, they instigated a lottery system for getting reservations at Phantom Ranch. And so that is you apply online in the lottery 15 months ahead of the date you want to stay there. Now, we've stayed there a couple of times. The first time was when we were on our journey to all the national parks. We hiked down into Phantom Ranch. We spent the night and we hiked back up and stayed at El Tovar. And the second time was in 2016 uh, when we were on our Dory boat trip on the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. So we started that trip at Lee's Ferry, and then we disembarked at Phantom Ranch, all 16 of us on the trip, and we were we got to spend the night down there before we all hiked up to the South Rim the following day. And we wrote about all this in our book, which is called Dory's Ho. We had gotten to Phantom Ranch about mid-morning because the place we had camped the night before on the boat trip was not too far. So we were in the cantina mid-afternoon-ish, just sitting there having lemonade. I was myself and some of the other guys on the trip. And I don't, I don't know where the women folk were. They were probably at shopping, shop, shopping, because <laughs> there, there is no shopping down there. So <laughs> they were doing something, but uh, there's these big family style tables that hold about 10 or 12 people where they do their meals. And there was a couple sitting across from us who had just hiked down and we were talking to them and the gentleman, he was rubbing his hand and he said, I did something stupid today. We said, Oh, what was that? He said, well, we, we were able to check into our cabin earlier. We hiked down and I put my backpack on the bed and I saw something scurry across the bedspread. And I just, without thinking, I swatted at it and ended up, he'd gotten stung by a scorpion. So he said, I put, my hand under cold water for about 10 minutes and it made it feel a little bit better because boy, it's really hurting. And so there was me and, you know, a, a couple of the other husbands. And we, we said, could you just do us one favor? Like if our wives 
show up, could you please not repeat that story to them? Because they they will not, not only will they not sleep tonight thinking that there are scorpions down here, because of course in the desert there's scorpions, every not everywhere, but they happen. So anyway. The, that, that was probably one of the smartest things you've ever done. Right. So so no one knew. We actually told them this story a couple of days later, mm-hmm. but it scared me. Mm-hmm. And so there were five couples of us, so the ten of us slept in one cabin, like it, sardines. It wasn't and- a, a male female dormitory. It was just like a big cabin where you could do that. So five men, five women, we all slept together, and and I was like so afraid. I slept on top of the covers, and I don't. I for some reason, I thought that sleeping on top of the covers was safer from the scorpions than under the covers, <laughs> uh, which is probably the, like the opposite. But uh, yeah, I, and that- I couldn't sleep all night and. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. I, if I were to have been you, I would have been under the covers with them over my head. And can I just clarify when you said we all slept together? Yes. Uh, that's not exactly true the way it sounded. So there were bunk beds in this cabin all next to each other. So what we, did you think? Did you think I meant like like well you, Willy you, Wonka <laughs> movie where they're like they're all sleeping in like one bed like weird like? Next to each other? I'm just clarifying. There were bunk beds. Everyone had their own bunk. Okay. Well, it just so yeah. happened, though, that we had to get up very, very early to hike out. And I'm sleeping on top of the covers. And at like 4.30 in the morning, I have to now change into my hiking clothes. I'd, I'd slept in, I think, the only clean pair of shorts that I had. There was a, a actually a swimsuit that I had on. And like I had to change somewhere because, you know, there's all of us crammed in this room. So I pulled the covers over me. I mean, like Wendy was like two feet away from me. So I didn't want her to see me. So probably a very huge disappointment for Wendy. Oh, Just let, yes, let me of course add it that. Was. Okay. But you know, mm-hmm. I had to be modest. Mm-hmm. So I pulled the covers over me and somehow she like shimmy into my hiking clothes. And, and, uh, so we got out of there. We got out of there oh, early. It was so, like so five a.m. No, no scorpions at night. No one. Right, right. No one knew knew any better, and mm-hmm. no scorpion attacks. So that was great. But we got we hiked out. Started at five five fifteen. We had headlamps on. It was still yeah, dark. It was. Uh, everyone got to the top by at least eleven. I at think the latest, even yeah, earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Maybe closer to ten fifteen ten thirty. So there's nowhere to. There's no, nothing really to do up there. We couldn't check into our rooms at El Tovar that early, so we all go to the the bar area of the El Tovar, and we had we had lunch and hors d'oeuvres and drinks, Some and it was, it was yeah, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> celebrating the fact that the trip was a success, mm-hmm. and we hiked and, out, and, and then, no one died on the hike out. Yeah, and then whenever, like three o'clock or whenever it was time to check in, came time to pay the bill, and I look for my wallet, and that's when I realized that. My wallet with my credit cards, cash, driver's license, everything, it's in my swimsuit. <laughs> and where, Matt, was your swimming the suit? The swimsuit was under the covers <laughs> on the bed down at Phantom Ranch, 10 miles down in the canyon. In the canyon. Yeah, and so. of course, there is absolutely no way we're going to hike back down the 10 miles and then back up all in the same day. No. That would be that would have been impossible. Well, I went over to the Bright Angel Lodge. That's... Uh, not too far from from El Tovar, and that's they have a desk there where they essentially manage the uh, Phantom Ranch uh, guest services. And I explained it, and they 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 called down there. The folks cleaning up the cabin had found the shorts, and they sent them back up on a mule the next day. And and <laughs> my mean, wallet was there, all the cash was there. It was uh-huh. very nice of them to to send those back up. Uh-huh. It's kind of funny because we we met the mule train at, at the corral and, you know, there's Matt's shorts riding up on the back of a mule. I've never ridden on a mule, but yeah, your, your shorts a, got to... <laughs> they were in a sealed plastic bag as if like there's like mm-hmm. a biohazard or something, but... Yeah, um, well, it could have been. Uh, you know, been anyway. on the river for a week. So our last, our final lodge that we're going to talk about is the Awani Hotel in Yosemite National Park. Beautiful, beautiful mm, lodge. This is one of my favorites. How many times have I said that? Yeah. Uh, it's located in the valley, and it opened in 1927. Um, I wrote down some fun facts. Would you like to hear them? 
Sure. If you wrote them down, like, yeah, speak them, please. When you think about how these hotels were constructed way back then. So this particular hotel was built from 5,000 tons of rough cut granite, 1,000 tons of steel, and 30,000 feet of timber. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Well, and what's impressive about the stone that they used is it's native stone. So you're surrounded in Yosemite Valley with these these granite mountains that rise spectacularly mm-hmm. from the floor. The half dome is right there. And you're you're they built this lodge out of kind of the same material. So it's it's just really beautifully set in into the scenery. Mm-hmm. I think out of all the lodges that we've talked about, the Awani has the largest area of public space. What I mean is space that you can hang out in. So they have what they call the great lounge with all kinds of couches and chairs and big fireplaces on either end. And this room is massive. And behind that is probably my favorite room, which is called the mural room. Yeah, there's a few uh, small rooms off to the side. I think there's a couple on the second floor as well, mm-hmm. the smaller rooms, but the mural room is beautiful. Oh my gosh, on one wall. And again, I'll, I'll post um, some photos on our website, but they have this hand-painted mural that runs along one entire wall of the flora and the fauna in Yosemite. And, you know, again, it was done, this was painted a hundred years ago. It's absolutely stunning. And they have a couple of restaurants. We've only eaten at the snack bar, which is kind of the story <laughs> of our life. Um, well, there's a reason for yeah, that. <laughs> I, the, I, we've gone into the main dining room and taken photos photos of it. It's uh-huh, a beautiful, it's beautiful. Uh, room, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it was made for us. Well, the reason is is because there is a sign posted right outside the dining room. Um, and this this is for dinner specifically, but it says that uh, there's a dress code and it it says something to the effect of gentlemen are asked to wear collared shirts and long pants and ladies are asked to wear dresses, skirts, or slacks and blouses. So, you know, the minute that we read gentlemen and ladies, uh, we yeah, were pretty, was, we yeah, were out. We were looking behind us. <laughs> like, who, who are you talking we to? We were done. It's not us. <laughs> I don't even, I think some, there are trips that we do where I don't even bring long pants. I know. And skirts and dresses I, I, and, I and blouses. I don't have any of that stuff. <laughs> so we have to eat in the snack bar. Yeah, which is fine. It's actually a very, it, it used to be when we were first there, it was truly a snack bar, but they've redone it. And now it's a, like a bar bar with drinks and it has a great atmosphere and food. So it's, it's actually a really great place to eat now. And now I'm a little intimidated by that too, because yeah, it looks I, too nice mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. we did stay there one. So it's not an inexpensive place to oh, stay. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Ve- it's very, it's super convenient. It's very pricey you're in the park. But when we had done our original trip to the parks. We stayed there just because we wanted to have this experience. And the next morning, so we only stayed there one night. The next morning, they slipped the bill under the door. And when I read how much it cost, now I, I knew how much it cost because I booked the room, but like seeing it printed on paper was kind of a shock. So I figured that, you know, if they're going to charge this much for a room, like I'm taking everything in the room <laughs> that's not... You started packing up your suitcase. Intended to stay with the room. Like I didn't steal anything, but like the coasters and the Mm -hmm. stationery and the Mm -hmm. unused soap. I think there was a shower cap. Shower cap Mm -hmm. and maybe even the used soap and a pen. And so what we thought would be fun is since Bob and Sue had stayed there before and had, had told us about it. We put, I stuffed all the stuff, all the, the things from the room in an envelope and I, Wrote them a letter and I sent the package off to them. These were our gifts. Right, right. I'm sure they were just absolutely thrilled to receive that package from you, Matt. But so what we tell people, because it is so expensive, is that anyone can just go to the Awani and hang out in those beautiful public spaces. So you could take your laptop, you could take a book and go, you know, go check it out and spend some time there. It's incredible. Or we actually brought a cooler in there. Yeah, we did. And we've seen other people. Yeah, we've hung with- out there for a long time. And there are also a lot of tables outside. If it's a beautiful day, you can get a drink, you can wander the grounds. It's definitely absolutely worth checking out and spending some time there, even if you don't spend the night. One of the things that I love about staying in these lodges is that they have all been redone 
to closely resemble the way they looked when they were built over a hundred years ago. So staying there, you've got the same type of furniture, you've got the same interiors. Obviously they've modernized them, but I, I feel like you can get the park experience that people had when they were there, you know, a century ago. And another thing that's great about these lodges is that they're in the park and Oftentimes, the parks are crowded during the day. They can be crowded at night, too, but but the main crowds are during the day. And by late afternoon, certainly early evening, the crowds start to die down. Certainly, the tour buses are gone, and you feel like you have the park to yourself. And you can see the sunsets, the sunrises, mm-hmm. and you're just right there in it. So it's it's a beautiful way to experience the park. And just be right there in the environment. It is. And we've gone out at night and looked at the stars. And it's just a really special experience. And, you know, these are our national treasures. And they belong to all of us. In our mailbag segment today, we're going to answer a question that we get a lot. And the question is, what kind of camera do you guys use? In the early days, when we first did our trip to all the national parks, we had a little, a small point and shoot digital camera. And then maybe three or four years ago, we just switched to our phones. We did because the iPhone camera got so good the technology became so advanced that the I, th- I think the pictures on iPhone cameras are amazing. Yeah, we we did get a digital SLR that we use from time to time, but I I don't want to carry that around, and it's kind of delicate and yeah, get sand and dust, and it's heavy. I'm not taking it on a backpack trip. I, I wanted to throw our food out <laughs> and not take the food on the backpack trip, so I'm certainly not taking a big. Heavy camera. Right. We're, we're basically lazy. We- yes. I'm willing to touch the red dot on right. my phone. I, I will point the phone at something and touch the red dot. Exactly. We both carry our phones in our pockets. And so all we literally have to do is pull them out and Whip touch out. the red button. And that's yep. the extent of it. But, um, you know, for us, it's about the experience. It's about the hike or whatever it is we're doing. And, and we seriously snap the pictures as we are walking along a trail. Well, sometimes I lose you and then you're off taking photos. Yes. Sometimes you do that. Well, sure. Sometimes I have to stop. But but the other good thing is uh, it allows for a lot of spontaneity. So if a jackrabbit spontaneity yeah wait wait, let me start over no 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 we're going to use that the spontaneity the jackrabbit spontaneity is we we want to preserve the the jackrabbit spontaneity (laughs) that's our thing so if a jackrabbit darts across the path or a mountain lion or whatever, we whip out the camera and How capture it. How many times it. has either of those okay. happened? Well, I, I'll be ready when it does. Okay. So, so Sasquatch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Sasquatch comes by. That's right. The but Sasquatch. once we do get the photos, then when y- you spend hours using like filters on Instagram poking each one of the options and looking at it and then you poke each one again and then you do all the move all the bars and Mm -hmm. then you start over Mm -hmm. and sometimes i have to like (laughs) make you stop because it's been seven hours and you're on the same that's right so it does make a difference when you edit the photos uh and there are a couple you know there are are free apps that you can download on your phone. Uh, Lightroom is a really good one. And and also Instagram has a free editing program that you can use. You can enhance your pictures, the lighting, the the clarity, the contrast, and and it does make a really big difference. So that's what we do. But we don't combine photos. In other words, we don't take a photo of water and then superimpose a mirror image on it or anything like that. It's, no, it's, because it's, we don't know how to do we, that. Yeah, yeah. We actually need to learn how to do that, but yeah, and, and we, we're lazy. Right. And we don't Photoshop ever. We don't take people out or put people in. I have wanted to Photoshop my stomach that sticks out a little bit at times, but um, again, oh, I, I don't. Do oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, I'll, okay. I'll show you later. All right. Let's talk when, later. When, 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 yeah, later when, when people aren't listening. <laughs> 
So did we fully answer that question? I, uh, iPhone cameras and uh, yeah. yeah, iPhone, iPhone. If you have a question for us, you can send us an email to Matt and Karen Smith at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. Go to facebook.com slash dear Bob and S or you can find us on Instagram at Matt and Karen Smith. We'll review all the questions that come in, and we'll be answering some of them in our mailbag segment on future episodes. To see pictures of Old Faithful Inn at Yellowstone, Paradise Inn at Mount Rainier, and others, go to www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com and click on the title for Episode 4. There you'll find show notes for this episode and links to other information. A ton of you have already given us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, and Matt and I can't thank you enough. We'd love to read your sweet comments. Keep it up. It really helps more people find our show. If you have a moment, please consider sending this episode to a friend. The books that this podcast is based on are available on Amazon.com. Just search for Dear Bob and Sue. You can also find the audiobook versions of our books on Amazon, Audible, or anywhere where audiobooks are sold. And you can also find more information about us by heading over to DearBobAndSue.com. Our show is produced by the amazing team at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon. Our artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects. And our theme music is by Will West. And to the couple in room 314 at Crater Lake Lodge, we're sorry we interrupted your nap. Trust me, it won't happen again. Mm-hmm.